Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning. Welcome, everybody, to Morning Devotion. Thank you for being a part of this each and every week, each and every weekday. You just jump in here and thank you for that so much. Dee and Angela, Elaine, June, Linda, thank you. Thank you for making this special Monday, October 19. So we welcome each of you, and you know the drill as you join the page. Oh, let's see how we say it. What? Like the page, follow the page, share the page, loop others into this morning devotion. We are living in pivotal times. All of us know that. Anyone who is sensitive to the day and age we're living in, we know we're living in pivotal times. And we can react or we can be proactive and we can decide that we are going to lean into this day and lean into this hour and see the greatest good come for eternity than is entirely possible. And I believe it is coming, and I believe amazing things are already happening. And we are seeing in the last of the last days, we're seeing an outpouring and awakening in our midst. So be not discouraged. Don't get in despair. Let's hold each other's hands up like Aaron and her did Moses of old. Let's lift one another up. Circle around during the day, encourage one another, talk to each other, chatter with each other out there in the comment section, and you make it very special. So each of you, each of you, I just want to say thanks. So Scott and Sue and Ron, Marcia, thank you for being a part of this day. This is a this is a great week, I believe. I, I'm just I have just felt, I just felt in a prophetic sense that we need to delve into the future. Now, anytime you talk about the future, the future can make a fool of anybody. Because when you start talking about what's going to happen tomorrow, inevitably, your crystal ball is going to get clouded and it's just not going to happen. What, what is the old saying? Man plans and God laughs. You know, yeah, you, what you're planning, what you're thinking, what you're hoping for, sometimes it just, it just doesn't happen. But there are some things. We have a sure word of prophecy. We have some hope in us. That is the anchor of the soul, especially in the day that we're living in. So today, as we consider the countdown to the end, which we'll be doing all this week, what comes next? This is a great week. I've been praying early this morning, just sensing what the Lord desires for me to share with you. Going to get down into some weeds here. Are you ready? I hope you've had, I hope you are thoroughly caffeinated this morning and awake. You may have to do some apostolic apostolic aerobics and some Christian calisthenics to make sure you got the blood flowing and the brain is working this morning, but going to get down in the weeds just a little bit. I'll get out real quick. Don't worry. The Word of God has 2,048 specific 
prophecies. Now, a general prophecy is this going to happen someday, but a specific property is this will a prophecy is this will happen a certain time, certain day, certain way. Take any eleven of these 2,048 specific prophecies, any 11 of them, the odds are something like one in 30 million of them happening. Yeah. If you take 30 of those 2,048 specific prophecies, like a billion to one, if you took the specific prophecies in Isaiah, 55 of them, it's something like 36 quadrillion to one that they'd be fulfilled. And do you know that of the 2,048 specific prophecies, 1998 have already been fulfilled. The odds of that happening are something like, oh, a number that has 600 digits to one. When God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We're not left to drift. God's word has the answer that we need, that the Lord moved on holy men of old to chart the course for us and to guide us. God knows the future, and he speaks to us. When written, one-third of the Bible was prophecy, meaning it spoke to future times. I I love what Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophet. And God shares that knowledge of the future for a variety of reasons that people might believe. Jesus said in John 14, now I've told you before it come to pass, that when it comes to pass, you might believe, that you might be prepared, that you might be comforted. It's important to know in this pandemic season that God still got this. He's still in control and that what caught us by surprise did not catch him by surprise. And so in this countdown to the end, We want to consider today what comes next. What are we about to see on God's prophetic time clock? Now, you and I know that we're living in an age called grace, the grace age, the church age. We're in this scene, this envelope, this open and closed parentheses of time, this interval, a divine pause, as if God just hit the hold button and said, give me a moment. I need to reach out to a group of people that are not my people. We're the wild vine that's been grafted in. This grace age, this church age, the times of the Gentiles, that's what it's called in the Bible. And that's where we are now. Paul said in Romans 11 that God would once again turn to Israel. We're just this this vine that's been grafted in. How long this space of grace is going to last has been subject of much speculation. But let me give you today three couplets of prophetic understanding, a two-two-two approach, if you will. Two calendars, two men, two super signs. Well, that's as easy as I can make it. First of all, let's look at two calendars. These are overlays on human time. Make this the 30,000-foot view of the prophetic time clock. The first calendar is patterned after the seven days of creation. God created the world in six days, the seventh day he rested. Students of prophecy for centuries have said, as the psalmist and Simon Peter noted, that a day is with the Lord is a thousand years. And so God is going to spend six days, 6,000 years at work with man, and then there will come a seventh day, a thousand years of rest. How long? 
have we been on this planet? How long since Adam? The Jewish calendar is approaching 6,000 years. Institution for Creation Research, we've been here a little more than 6,000 years. We appear to be at the end of the sixth day, and the age of man is coming to a close. And a millennia, a thousand years, is about to dawn. Oh, can I get a witness to that? Does that just excite you? Donna, Donetta, Glenn, Pat, Daryl, does that excite you that we are approaching the end, that you and I could be the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come? And don't make it sound so doomsday-ish. This is our hope. Lift up your eyes, your redemption is drawing nigh. Can I get a witness to that? So that's the first calendar. So of this two calendars, let me mention the second calendar. It is one of the most beautiful prophecies in the Old Testament. It's found in Hosea 6. And the minor prophet invites Israel to come back to God. Come back to God. Although you've been torn, although you've been wounded, he will heal you. He will bind your wounds. Come back to God. Come back to God. That's what he says in Hosea 6. But then he says something so incredibly interesting. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his presence. And then he starts talking about latter rain coming to these earth. Through the years again, students of prophecy have clung to those words. Day is with the Lord is a thousand years that after two days, God will revive Israel. Two thousand years. And at the beginning, at the end of two thousand years, he will raise Israel up. Do you know Calvary was a marker of sorts that Jesus had come to his own and his own had rejected him? His death, his burial, his resurrection became the hinge of history on a spiritual prophetic time clock. Because early in the book of Acts, we see the Gentiles start flooding into the church. By the 15th chapter, it's an admission that God's doing something. The tabernacle of David has been erected, that the residue, that's me and you, that's the Gentiles coming to God. That this is the season when God's turned to the Gentiles, the grace age, the church age. How long? How long? Two days, 2,000 years, and then God turns back to Israel. When was the church born? Around 30 AD. The church is reaching 2,000 years of age. Our two days are almost up. Two days since the grace age began. You can count on the word of God. He prepares us for the future. You may not know the day or hour of his coming, but we see the seasons passing and we see these two calendars being fulfilled. The two calendars, first, the six days of creation that 6,000 years have now passed since God has worked with the sons of Adam. We're there. And then second, Hosea's prophecy that Israel is going to be revived after two days, after 2,000 years. Folks, we are there. These two calendars have converged to say we are at the end. We're on the countdown to the end, that we are drawing to a close, that we are at the last of the last days. I told you there'd be three couplets. The first is the two calendars I've shared. Let me share the two men, two men. You want to know what comes next? Look at two historical figures. I don't know if Jesus could say it any clearer. He said, as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot. 
We, we know what the Bible says. When you look at the pre-flood world, we, we read that the heart of man was desperately wicked, that life was cheap and violence was the order of the day. Does that sound familiar, folks? That's why God said he sent the flood in Genesis 6, for the earth was filled with violence. Homicide rates have skyrocketed America in the last few months. Crime across the board is up. Life has grown cheap. Add to that the impact of Roe v. Wade and add another 4,000 unborn children every day to that reservoir of violence. Violence. Two-thirds of the way through the year, Chicago's already passed 2019's homicide rate. Each weekend, the number of shootings and murders just boggle the mind, as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. He said, as it was in the days of Lot, that's the second man. Pleasure, hedonism were the order of the day in those ancient cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah. We live in the complete upending of the culture in our country. Recent court decision, Obergfell and Bostock, have altered the moral landscape of our country, our world. There's a normalization of immorality and sin and lawlessness are the norm. The persecution of the righteous and the cancel culture has begun. Jesus said, if you want to know when it's wrapping up, look to two men, Noah and Lot. We're on the countdown to the end. So I've given you two calendars. I've given you two men. And finally, the third of the, the couplets, the two super signs. Daniel 12.4, shut up the word, seal the book until the time of the end. How do you know it's the time of the end? Many shall run to and fro and knowledge will increase. These are the two super signs at the end of it all. There will be an acceleration of travel and there will be a proliferation of knowledge. Do you know until the year 1900, all civilizations pretty much used carts, horse, wagon as the fastest form of transportation? 1902 was the first production of a car. First commercial airline didn't fly to 1939. A hundred years ago, to travel across the U.S. to get to the U.K. would take about a hundred days, three over three months. Today, about nine and a half hours. Not far from where I am this morning, the Houston spaceport is being readied at Ellington, along with uh, a dozen or so other spaceports in the United States. Space planes in design early next year. Virgin Atlantic will probably launch their first, flying at five times the speed of sound. Get from the USA to UK in an hour. In a hundred years, a trip that once would have taken a hundred days would take an hour. Yeah, travel will increase. Knowledge will increase. The proliferation of data, technology, knowledge. We've seen nothing like it in the history of man. The digital revolution in the last generation has taken human progress to exponential levels. Through the internet, knowledge that would require hours, days, and even years of study can be accessed through search engines and browsers in moments. Social media now connects the world. It's proliferating. Two calendars a 6,000-year one, a 2,000-year one. Both are saying, we are at the end. Two men, Noah and Lot, the violence and hedonism, both are saying, we are at the end. Two super signs of Daniel. He said, at the end of the end of times, knowledge and travel increase. We are at the end. So let's get to our question today. What comes Next.
I don't know how you would classify my my belief on prophecy except to just say this. I believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he can come this very moment. I do not believe that there's a single prophecy or single sign that is yet to be fulfilled before he can come back. I believe he can come back before I finish this devotion. Don and Lydia, Lillian, I believe he could come back before I finish this sentence. Before I take my next breath, I believe he could come back. I believe in the at any moment coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what has held the church down through the age, the catching of the way of his bride. Don't get prophecy so complex that you lose sight of the at any moment return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's this pattern in the Bible. Enoch walked with God and then he was not. God took him and Elijah was caught away in a whirlwind. John 4, he left Patmos when he heard a voice. And John in Revelation 4, when he heard a voice saying, come up here, that there is this at any moment translation from earth into glory. Yeah, Jesus ascended from this earth into the cloud and as as his disciples stared transfixed, two angels asked them, why are you standing here gazing? Don't you know that this same Jesus that you've seen go up into the heaven, he's coming back from the heaven. As, As one writer said, he that shall come will come. He's coming back, folks. So you are saying that what I believe next is the rapture? I have believed that since I was a child. I live each and every day like this is my last day on planet Earth. I remind myself many, many times that this is it. I look to the eastern sky many times in every day saying this could be my day, the last great hope. I got to make today count for the kingdom. Oh, praise God. I want to make it count for the kingdom. But I also see something else happening. And I've not kept that secret from you, from this morning devotion group, where I shared it first. I just believe that we are on the edge and the cusp, and we're probably already seeing it happen around us. God is doing something amazing in our midst. As we await his soon return, we are occupying until he comes. And he is coming and coming soon. But I also see in our midst that latter rain, that outpouring of the Spirit. It was years ago that I grew attracted to the ministry of David Wilkerson. As a teen, I read that book, Cross and the Switchblade, of how he went to New York City to raise up a work and and, uh, went into the gangs and into the culture of the gangs. And through the years, I've kept tabs on his ministry and saw how how several years ago, he ceased to be the darling of many. And Wilkerson began to call for a radical repentance that ran counter to modern Christianity. And then he preached that soul-stirring message on anguish, and it just seemed like anguish filled his soul in his final years of life. He, he became, David Wilkerson became almost haunted by his vision of America and what was happening. It brought him low. It changed his preaching. It changed everything about him. 
He was no longer the darling of America, evangelicalism. He was not invited to the big meetings anymore. He was mocked. His vision, his prophecies were fact-checked again and again and called false. Uh, But he kept crying for repentance. I have understood it. The man who survived the New York streets and the gangs was killed in an auto accident on a rural East Texas highway a few years back. Just didn't seem to make sense. In the last few years, his name faded away until early in this pandemic, somebody shared a prophecy that Wilkerson had shared with him in a, in a hotel room in the Dallas area years back. It was shared six months ago at the outset of this pandemic, and it has largely faded away. Oh, yes, been fact-checked. People said probably not true. But just something about this prophecy that Wilkerson prophesied, I see a plague coming on the world. And the bars and the churches and the governments will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and back into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. I don't put Wilkerson's or any other man's prophecies on the order of Bible prophecy. I know we are human and can make mistakes. But something in that prophecy resonates in my spirit. What comes next in this countdown to the end? Well, the rapture can happen at any moment. But I'm also feeling the groundswell of one final great awakening that's sweeping the world. Believers are stirring themselves and shaking themselves from slumbers. Prodigals uh, are starting to come back home. Revival is shaking and people that have any sense of biblical knowledge uh, are shaking and stirring themselves and saying, God is doing something in our midst. We're in election season already here in America. Early voting has already begun. Believers get out there and vote. Yeah, the stakes are high. But I will also tell you ultimately, the cure for this world is an awakening. The king has got to come back. The king is coming very, very soon. And we must work while it is yet day. The prodigals must come home. Families must be saved. The loss must be gathered. I'm talking to you, Bill, and I'm talking to you, Estella and Trenton and Don. We've got to see them come back home. We don't have much time. What we do, we must do quickly. Because when Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah and Lot, there was a sudden catching away. And we believe that sudden catching away is about to transpire before us. We're going to see it happen. We are living in the last of the last days. What comes next? The rapture on the one hand 
And on the other hand, great awakening. I wish you would just believe that with me. Believe that with all of your heart and say it's going to happen. And I'm going to see it happen in my loved ones and my family. Would you leave some prayer requests out to the side? Encourage one another. Share this with one another. Get the word out. We're at the end of the end of times and the last of the last of days. And as we see the swift approach of the coming of the Son of Man, may it also be that we hear the many, many multitudes of footfalls of people coming back to the Lord. Thank you. God bless you. I look forward to sharing this week with you on a prophetic theme. And may the Lord be with you. Share this with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.